Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run a project, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. For more information, go to Basecamp.com. Thanks, Basecamp. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Eric Erno, and this is a rare part three of a Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories episode featuring the theme, A Night with the Stars. Uh, the last two episodes, you heard us team up with some of the folks behind Improvised Star Trek to tell some stories, and this time out, we open for them. This episode was recorded in the Chris Farley Cabaret at I.O. in Chicago last Friday, right before Improvised Star Trek took the stage to work their magic. Uh, Matt Young played a Ferengi talent agent in that episode. It was awesome. Uh, anyway, this time out, we've got three stories from Nerdalogs members Mike Chando and Katie Johnson-Smith, Plus our great and talented friend Mike Gifford, and I did a couple songs too. Um, cool. Our next Your Stories recording is Sunday, December 13th at Some Office Theater in Chicago. It is our yearly annual episode, which means we're bringing back some of your favorite speakers from the past year and also playing some of our favorite songs. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who helped us pick who to invite back over the past month. We really appreciate your feedback. Uh, the day before that, on Saturday the 12th, same place, the Nerdalogs are also putting up an original sketch show based loosely on the Star Wars Holiday Special, but much, much better. Higher production values, I assure you. Uh, we did something like this three years ago, and it seems like a good time to remount it now, but we rewrote the whole show from top to bottom, so if you saw that first one, this is a completely different show. Uh, it's going to be tons of fun, and all the money we raise from that is going to go to charity, so come check that out. Do some good this holiday season, you jerks. No, I take that back. I love you guys. Um, I want to thank our sponsors for the episode again. They are Basecamp. Uh, also, I want to thank the Chicago Podcast Co-op for all the support it gives to shows like ours. Uh, there are lots of great shows on the co-op, and now you can find them all in one place thanks to iTunes. So get on that, and while you're there, maybe you can rate and review us on iTunes. That would be really spiffy, and it helps us out a lot. So thank you so much for your time, and with all that said, please enjoy this show. Usually there's like a three to four piece band on stage, but you know what? Tonight you guys just get me, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it worth your while. So I'm gonna do something we don't usually do at your stories. I'm gonna give you guys a choice. 
So I can either play two songs by the resident star man of music, one at the top, one at the bottom, by Mr. David Bowie, or I can start the show with a song by another famous star child, Mr. Paul Stanley of Kiss. So I'm going to give you guys the option, Bowie or Kiss? Okay. I knew it was going to go that way, but just in case there was like a super passionate Kiss fan in the audience, I didn't want you to feel excluded. I know what that's like, y'all. So... Pushing through the market square So many mothers sighing News that just come over We had five years left to cry in News guy wept and he told us Earth was really dying Cried so much his face was wet Then I knew he wasn't lying I heard telephones, opera house, favorite melodies. I saw boys, toys, electric irons, and TVs. My brain hurt like a warehouse, had no room to spare. I had to cram so many things to store. Everything in there, all the fat, skinny people. And all the tall, short people. people and all the somebody people I never thought I need so many people a girl my age went off her head hit some tiny children if the black hadn't pulled her off well, I think she would have killed them. A soldier with a broken arm fixed his stare to the wheel of a Cadillac. A cop knelt and kissed the feet of a priest. And a queer threw up at the sight of that. I think I saw you in an ice cream parlor. Drinking milkshakes, cold and long Smiling and waving and looking so fine I don't think you knew you were in the song And it was cold and it rained And I felt like an actor and I thought of mine
two more. You got it. from the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, a seminal and perfect rock and roll album. So we have three storytellers tonight. This is an abridged version of the show. We usually do 12. You're going to get three, but there are three great, great people, starting with a member of the Nerdalogs, Michael Jando. Where is Michael? Oh, there he is. Oh. Right behind you. Oh, no. I've never snuck on met anyone before, but it worked that time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Hi, everybody. Hi. Wow. I wasn't expected. I'm Michael Jando, um, so I'm going to do a short monologue. Uh, I'm very nervous about this. I wrote it today because uh, I was inspired by Thanksgiving yesterday. Uh, a night among the stars. So um, for Thanksgiving, uh, I visited my parents, and uh, like usual, they decorated for Christmas too early. And so uh, first thing you see, you go to my house, and you see all the lights, they look like beautiful stars. My mom likes doing everything in white. So the first thing you see is all these bright, like, icicle lights, and they're all white. And you walk in, and you see the star on the tree and the star ornaments. And um, there's a set of stars, though, that aren't there for holiday decorations. Um, they're, uh, they're always there. Um, they're on a corner table next to the Christmas tree and the uh, motion sensor barking Santa dog. Uh, it's real. Uh, it's great when it's real. Uh, it's awful. Um, so there's this vase, and in this vase, there are two flags. Uh, there's the first flag is an Assyrian flag. Uh, my parents are Assyrian, and so am I. And if you're not sure what that is, I'll read you what Wikipedia says. It defines uh, the Assyrian people as an ethnic group of descendants of ancient Assyria who are indigenous to Upper Mesopotamia. Um, the other flag is an American flag. Uh, I'm sure you know what that is, but for the sake of consistency, uh, Wikipedia defines Americans as citizens of the United States of America. The country is home to people of many different national origins. As a result, most Americans do not equate their nationality with ethnicity, but with citizenship and allegiance. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so, my parents came to America as refugees. My mother, a refugee from Iraq, and my father, a refugee from Syria. Uh, they both came to escape a war that's still going on today. Uh, the two flags represent uh, the two countries that my parents love. Uh, and the flags themselves physically have a lot in common. I mean, for instance, they're both red, white, and blue. They both have stripes, and they both have stars. But they represent two very different cultures. Um, American, like, it, like American values, I feel a lot of are just like, it's your job, it's your responsibility to do the best for yourself, make yourself happy, uh, the pursuit of happiness. Whereas Assyrian culture is very much, it's your responsibility to make your family proud. It's very family-oriented. And so it was hard for me. I kind of have to walk the line between the two almost at times conflicting cultures. Um, and as a child growing up in America, the thing that I was always taught was to be an adult, you got to get a job doing something you love. You never work a day in your life if you're doing something you love, right? Uh, get a small apartment in the city, fall in love, maybe get married, maybe have kids if you want, 
but I was also always taught that as the youngest son of an Assyrian family, I'm expected to go to college to become a doctor, uh, get married to an Assyrian woman that my family approves of, preferably one they picked out, and have kids as soon as possible. <laughs> All while living under my parents' roof. Because of the youngest child, I'm supposed to take care of them while starting my own family. Now, I don't want to be selfish. I mean, I love my parents, and I, I feel that sense of duty to do whatever I can to make them happy and to take care of them. But I also feel that sense of wanting to go out and get married to someone I fall in love with uh, and live in my own house and maybe live in my own house in California. Uh, so I compromised. I went to college, n- not a doctor, uh, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> I fell in love to a girl. She just happened to be a Syrian. Like, that wasn't my intent. We, we went to school together. We were both doing the, the theater program there. What are the odds? And so uh, we, we fell in love. Uh, we got married. Um, I don't have kids yet. And I don't live in my parents' house. I live in my house. It's ten minutes away from my parents' house. <laughs> but it's my house. <laughs> so, compromise. Now, I know when I grow up and when I have kids, I'm still going to have to walk this line. I'm extremely proud of the country that I was born in and grew up in. And I'm also extremely proud of where my parents came from and where I come from. So... The one thing I'm sure of is I'm going to have a vase in my house, and there's going to be two flags, just like in my parents' house. Michael Jando, everybody. Jando, I want it on record. When, when do we get baby Jando? Speaking of the mic, please. I'm going to send this to your wife. You've been talking to my mom. <laughs> So make sure to tag your whole family when this podcast comes out. Guys, coming next to the stage, Katie Johnston-Smith. Hi, I'm Katie Johnston-Smith. I'm going to tell you a story. That's not a surprise. Um, Sometimes your heroes can fail you. And when you're a kid, if your idea of who a hero is and generally what a hero does don't match up, it can be pretty devastating. When I was a kid, my heroes were Christian contemporary music artist Rebecca St. James, (laughs) my grandmas, and Bill Nye the Science Guy. Obviously, they all fall within the same category, things my parents were generally okay with me looking at and listening to. Out of all of my heroes, though, Bill Nye was the only one I had not met, but he was also the only one I dedicated an entire themed birthday party to. So... As a child, growing up in a household that was not allowed to watch Captain Planet due to its severely liberal overtones, <laughs> you can probably imagine how bummed I was when I learned that Bill Nye the Science Guy believed in evolutionary theory. I pushed my disappointment to the corners of my mind until one day I had a question about the rings around Jupiter. I had heard quiet rumblings in second grade science class that Jupiter might have a very faint ring around it. And for some reason, I had to know for sure. Obviously, I did what any eight-ish year old would do. I stole away to the family computer, dialed into my mom's CompuServe account, and emailed Bill Nye about it. (laughs) At the end of the email, I tacked on something like, oh, hey, I also heard that you believe in evolutionary theory, but that's... That's not real. Like, there's not really proof of that, right? So why would you believe in it? 
Some vague amount of time later, my mom let me know that Bill had written me back. He wrote me a long and thoughtful response with lots of research and facts to back up his belief in evolution. As I read his email that my mother had printed out for me, my spirits dropped. I was shocked and saddened because, at the time, I was certain this scientist and educator could not have information that would trump what my parents and church leaders told me. Not to mention, he didn't even answer my question about Jupiter. <laughs> In fact, the only words I very vividly remember from this email were, as for the ring around Jupiter, I just don't know. <laughs> I kept this printed out email for a while and read it from time to time. I don't exactly remember when, but at some point I got so mad at Bill Nye, I crumpled up the email and threw it away. Yes, I threw away an email because in the age of dial-up internet and using your mother's CompuServe email address to contact celebrities, I guess that's a thing I could do. <laughs> okay, don't worry everyone. Eventually, I went to a place called college and wised up to a lot, including like, how evolution is totally a thing and gay people exist and having and them having sex won't make all of humanity's skin melt off of their bodies. <laughs> oh, also, um, hey, Bill Nye, you uh, may have made child Katie really sad, but you have done very well for adult Katie. <laughs> also, if you still have that email printed out and laying around somewhere, can you please... Can you please send it to me in the mail? Thank you. Uh, hashtag Bill Nye, uh, at Bill Nye. This, that's how this works, right? Okay, thank you. Bye. I'm glad. When you told me you were going to tell a story about Bill Nye, I thought it was going to be, uh, like, define your expectations. I thought it was going to be a story about how he wasn't cool. I'm glad to hear that Bill Nye actually is a cool guy. Of course he is. He must be. Did he have a Bill Nye-shaped cake? Was that part of your party? I had the, uh, I had a, my mom made like a round cake, but she yeah. put pictures of Bill Nye onto it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like Polaroids that you just cut up? She took uh, pictures of him off of like some science kit I had. She cut them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Guys, we have one more storyteller tonight. This is a fantastic essay. It's our great friend, Mike Gifford. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Gifford. I am a broken gay. Now, you're probably asking yourselves, what is a broken gay? Well, when I came out of the closet to my mother, her exact words were, and I quote, but you dress so poorly. <laughs> These are the shoes of a homosexual who has given up. Now, I've written a short essay for you all. I hope you're on board. The theme for this evening is A Night with the Stars. And no, I am not Steve from the children's series Blues Clues. I am Michael Gifford, and I'm not a kid person. I'm a homosexual. You see, whereas Orson Welles would regale you with tales of meeting Churchill, traveling around Europe as a boy on his own, and directing prolific all-black casts doing Shakespeare in Harlem, I am exemplified by my excitement over the Sprite Tall Boy soda can. It's amazing! <laughs> I mean... Just speaking of a night with the stars, we're at the I.O. Theater the day after Thanksgiving, so clearly there are no stars here. <laughs> but as a boy, I did once see Frank Gorshin, the original Riddler on the Adam West Batman series. You see, he was spitting on the ground. He was spitting on the ground before he lit a cigarette outside of the Adams Mark Hotel in Columbus, Ohio. 
Frank Gorshin later died of lung cancer. Not much of a riddle there, I guess. But, <laughs> but stardom close up can be really, really real. Sidebar, my dear friend Tom Minnick was a William Blake scholar and on one occasion had tea and biscuits with Sir Jeffrey Keynes and his wife, Lady Margaret Darwin Keynes. Tom thought it was pretty marvelous to be one degree of separation from the great economist John Maynard Keynes, who was Jeffrey's older brother, and Charles Darwin, who was Lady Margaret's grandfather. Tom also told me one night, after we had gone to a gay strip club called the Full Monty, that <laughs> on one occasion he had sexual relations with a man of great standing. He swore never to reveal the identity until the gentleman had died because Tom was a classy lady. <laughs> and I'll never forget calling Tom upon the death of President Reagan. <laughs> it wasn't President Reagan, but Kissinger's still alive, so who knows? <laughs> End of sidebar. <laughs> At a comic book convention, I got the great privilege to see the great writer, and for you Star Trek fans, the creator of the classic episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, Harlan Ellison. Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Ellison was a short, bombastic, and exciting man to hear speak. I was only 12 years old, and my cousin Cooper was 11, and we sat in the front row as Ellison started his lecture, and he looked straight at us and said, I see some young people in the audience, so I'll make it clear. The only word in the English language that's so filthy, so foul, I will only say one time in this lecture is Nixon. Now let's get the show fucking started. <laughs> Harlan Ellison unknowingly carved the rest of my life. You see, it's my understanding that Andy Warhol devised the concept of the superstar as a grand inside joke amongst his friends. Isn't it a shame how gross that joke is gone? Yeah. Yesterday, I shared smoked baby back ribs along with all the other Thanksgiving trimmings with some of my dearest friends. And as we all sat around near comatose and dying from overeating and fun... In that moment, we were all stars. Then we all pooped. And isn't that the great equalizer? <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Betty Davis, Sidney Poitier, and certainly Orson Welles all had nasty, gut-wrenching, tear-the-sink-off-the-wall poops. And they were stars. Well, you don't have to be famous to be a star. You just have to approach life with an open heart and give yourself to those needing love. May we all live long and prosper. Thank you. A stunning biology lesson from Mike Gifford. Guys, I'm going to do one more song and then I'm going to get to uh, get off so you guys can see the uh, the reason you're here tonight, which is our comedy girl, our comedy boyfriend. I'm sorry, improvised Star Trek. They're so wonderful. So uh, I told you uh, about my love of Ziggy Stardust. You know, we're going to revisit that album one more time. Yeah. You guys know what's up? You're all stars. Ziggy played guitar. Jamming good with wind and gilly. And the spiders from Mars. He played it left hand. 
but made it too far. He was the special man, and we were Ziggy's band. Now Ziggy really sang, screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo, like some cat from Japan. He could lick 'em by smiling. He could leave 'em to hang. Came on so loaded, man. Well hung in snow white sand. Jiving us that we were voodoo. The kids were just crass. He was the naz with God-given ass. He took it all too far, but boy, could he play guitar? Making love with. Up into his mind, like a leper messiah. When the kids had killed the man, we had to break up the veil. Oh yeah. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Roboism. Hosts Alex and Savannah discuss robots and feminism, but mostly robots. You can see more at roboism.fm. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.